It's a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do? Well, my background is kind of all over the place. I, I've been uh, in the tech industry for a really long time. Um, I, am, I like to joke that I'm an internet old because I've been around for a while. I started out as a front-end developer um, in the kind of the early days of the web. Like, I don't want to be too dramatic about it, but it was, yeah, it was quick <laughs> back Back in the early days, front-end development and design, and I ran my own dev shop for a bunch of years and, you know, built all kinds of different projects and that kind of stuff. But I got involved with Code Arena. I mean, yeah, and so I've worked kind of in different roles in the tech industry over the years, but I joined Code Arena in May 2021, so pretty early on. It was like, I think the I think like I was just looking at the Discord logs. I think they they started it up in February of 2021, and and I had worked with Sock on some other projects. And so he he asked if I'd come and join uh, the crew and help to run some of those early audits. And I was like, I don't know anything about <laughs> I don't know anything about Web three, and I don't know anything about security. And he's like, That's okay. You know how to run events, and you know how to you know, manage a community and you know how to, you know, organize a business and, you know, like all, and you work with devs and all of that kind of stuff. So I was like, all right, like I'm, I'm game, I'm game to uh, jump in and see what happens. And so, um, those early days were pretty, pretty, uh, wild in kind of a typical startup way of like the learning curve was steep. I may have somewhat exaggerated. It's not like I knew zero about security, but it just it was definitely never like I, I didn't come in as a security specialist. Let's let's say that um, I am I am not a warden. Uh, I am I am never going to be a judge. Uh, those kinds of things are are uh, definitely outside my wheelhouse. But what I got really excited about really quickly is that I was I've always found. So I've worked in like in and around open source communities for a lot of my career. And one of the things that I'm always very interested in is how, um, how those kinds of projects can align a lot of different kinds of incentives and, and like work to satisfy a lot of different people's and organizations needs. And when I, figured out what Coderina was about, that was the thing that really hooked me because I was like, okay, this is very, very exciting because we've got projects that, you know, that need better security. Not every project has that, has that skill set in house. And even if they do, you know, I think we've all like, I think every coder has had the experience. Probably every entrepreneur has also had this experience, but it's like, there's, there's something so special about the experience of bringing a new, one of our developers was just saying this yesterday. There's, he's, they said, I've never learned so much. I never learned so much about my projects as when I onboard a new developer into them, right? Like there's something so magical about fresh eyes, right? And so, so I think, you know, even, even the big, like even the chain links, right? Like they come in and they've got, I mean, they've got incredible people on the project. It's not like they don't have the skills in-house to, to, you know, but it's like, it's the fresh eyes and the, and the number of eyes is so, uh, so, so valuable. Um, and the diversity of viewpoints and all of that kind of stuff. Right. So, so I got really excited about that aspect and how the, it really helps organizations. It provides opportunities to freelance security researchers who, you know, and most of whom, and I empathize with this, do not really want to run their own business. Like they don't want to be like doing sales and marketing and onboarding and, and like invoicing and legal, you know, they, like, like, can I just do the work and then not, and then get paid and not, not have to do all the rest. And, uh, and, and meanwhile, because, we, because so much of what we do is out in the open, I, you know, I got, I also got really excited about that aspect of it because it felt like it was level, leveling up the whole ecosystem and, and really providing, um, you know, not that we're like educational at our core, but that there's an educational component to what we're doing. So that's, that's what got me hooked. And that's what kept me around. And so now my role, which I didn't really describe, <laughs> my role started out as like an everything person. And now I'm the, uh, I'm the head of the product ops team, which means that I 
try to support and guide the developers who are building our product, the uh, contest admins who are running the competitions and um, supporting our sponsors uh, and, you know, all of our customer success people. So basically all of the kind of like delivery aspects of what we do. So from the time you started, you said it was a bit crazy. What do you think has changed since the two and a half years, more or less, that you've been involved in there? Well, a lot of things. The number of audits that we're running. I mean, there, it, it was funny. Uh, Jay, Jay who, who also came on at the same time as me, uh, Jay and I were reminiscing the other day, and we sort of had this moment going, do you remember when there used to be one day a week when we would launch audits? Like, <laughs> it used to be that we only only would launch them on Wednesdays and they always ran for a full week. It was just like, I don't, I, there were just so many of the steps were manual that it was very, uh, it required a lot of effort to launch, <laughs> launch an audit. So we were like, oh yeah, back anyway. So, so the quantity for sure has increased a lot. The variety of different, different offerings that we have. I mean, our, our community has grown exponentially. If you look at those early reports, you'll see like, you know, 12 or 15 wardens uh, listed on the on the reports as having contributed. Uh, and you'll see, like, if you look through the um, the user profiles, uh, the Code Arena profiles on our website, you'll see the, the OG tag on a few wardens' names. And that most that's what it refers to, right? It's like the OG team of wardens who were like building C4 with us, right? And and just contributed so massively to um, helping us build a reputation. And and hopefully we we hope that, that, you know, they feel the same, like that we helped them build their reputation. Um, that was definitely the goal. Uh, and, but yeah, the, so, so the number of wardens competing increased massively. I think we have I don't, the last time I checked, which was a while ago, we had over 5,000 registered wardens in Code Arena. Um, now, have they all actually competed? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't have those stats at hand. But, you know, we have, uh, you know, a lot of registered wardens and definitely a lot of people submitting to every, every audit. And, um, and that's changed a lot. But I mean, the biggest thing is really that um, it, it, it may be sort of invisible to a lot of the community members, especially the newer community members, but we've, we've worked very, very hard at building repeatable processes that are fair and that prioritize the security of projects while also providing opportunities for the wardens. And that, is a really delicate balance like that it's something we take very very seriously and it's and it, i think that for the wardens it, it may sometimes feel like i don't know if it feels like this i sometimes imagine that it feels like we're moving slowly at making changes and 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 the reason for that is that we <laughs> the team the team that works at C4, we're all, we're all pretty seasoned, you know, like we've, we've, we've run businesses in the past, we've built a lot of projects. And we know that there's a lot of every, that every platform out there has unintended consequences on display, right? Like, where they shipped a feature, thinking it was going to do X, and then it actually did Y, Z, and ABC, right? And and then they suddenly had seven problems they had to clean up or do you know what I mean? And so we're always thinking we are we do deliberate quite carefully over things and we want to get the processes really right so that the um, you know, so that the project security is always front and center um, and that we are doing things very deliberately in ways that um, really reflect our core philosophy. You know, um, and so that's I and I feel really proud of that. I think, you know, it's not like we've never had to roll anything back, <laughs> but but I think by and large, we've, you know, we've we've honed, we've built and honed processes that are um, that do, I think, are quite effective at balancing everybody's needs. So I think that's the biggest one is just like I 
And that's kind of one of those things where you probably don't, if we're doing it well, you actually, most people probably aren't aware of it. You know, it's kind of like going to a really good restaurant. Like you're not, you don't, you're not aware of how hard the kitchen is working or how many days of effort it took them to, you know, prepare every ingredient on your plate. So what are the kind of things that need to happen behind the scenes for a successful audit to happen? What what are the things that wardens or projects don't really see that that's happening and making the gears turn? Well, so first and foremost, uh, our booking team works really hard to make sure that the audits are sculpted really correctly and thoroughly, and that by the time they are announced, that uh, the the prize pools and the duration and all of that is like bang on. We also have a handful of wardens in the community that we call scouts who help us to uh, really dig into the details and prepare the repos for the effort for every audit and make sure that they are like tight and uh, and solid and that all of the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, you know? So that's, I think, hard to see. There's just always a lot of back and forth. There's like, I got the, the kind of underlying thing there is, I think if you've ever worked on a software project, you know that like, it's always a scramble. There's always like a lot of people, you know, pushing PRs and, you know, da, 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 da. And like, and to try to get just that dance alone, right, on the sponsor side to get the code to a place where they're like, okay, yes, this is the code. This is the commit. Like, we're ready to be audited, right? Like that, it's kind of like getting your taxes together, right? Like it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot. So they're like, they're doing all of this work and then they're kind of like, finally, they're like getting the getting the commit and then they're, com- they're, they're also committing, no pun intended, to a, a code freeze for the duration of the audit, right? Which is also a big deal, right? <laughs> to ask you know, a, a, a project to do that. So, so, that's all kind of happening behind the scenes before the audit even goes live. And then, um, so that, anyway, so that's one kind of parcel of work that gets done. During the audit, I think one of the things that the auditors may not be aware of is the number of DMs that the sponsor team is fielding during an audit is uh incredible right so they're and they're dealing with dms from every type of warden and they have to you know and they're trying to filter like they've got and yeah and so they're they're trying to filter they've got people coming in going how do these contests work anyway you know what i mean like there's like every kind of question from like the i'm brand new and i have no idea what i'm doing to like i am super elite and i have very complex technical questions and everything in between. So um, that's also, I think, a very uh, invisible kind of work that's happening. And then after the audit, I think I think seasoned wardens understand this well, um, especially anybody who has backstage access. But for those who don't know um, and who aren't backstage, after the audits close, typically there are hundreds, if not thousands of submissions that need to be reviewed. It is a lot, right? It is a lot. There are a lot of issues in that repo and uh, somebody has to go through them and dedupe them all and sift out anything that looks sort of spammy or low quality or invalid. And that work is a grind. It's like, the, I feel like the people who do that work, that's those are the lookouts and the judges. They're such heroes in C4 because they are, you know, they're just sifting, they're sifting, sifting, triaging, you know, surfacing anything that looks really high, high risk to the sponsor as early as possible, etc. So that's, and that's all I think, the, I think the backstage wardens do see that work happening and they, and, and usually you'll see, like, <laughs> if you're in the backstage channel, one of my favorite things to see is like the new, the newly backstage people, the people who just got backstage access, will come in and they're like, I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to escalate all of my issues. And then, and then like the first time they see the effort involved, they're like, whoa, respect to the <laughs> to the judges and respect to the lookouts. Because 
all they've ever seen, all that's been visible to them up to that point is like the, like the award announcements, right? It's like, it's, they don't, they don't, they see nothing and then they see the award announcements so that they have questions. Totally understandable. But when you have backstage access, you could see like the labor that goes into reviewing every single issue and trying to determine, you know, where it sits in the quality and validity spectrum. Then it's sort of like, oh, maybe my, like, <laughs> maybe my submission you know, isn't as special as I thought, or maybe, <laughs> or maybe I can understand how sometimes something gets overlooked or, you know, that kind of thing. So, or how there's complexity, you know, because yeah, that's sorry, a... I'll just, just to riff, go off on one tangent, like one really, one tricky thing that we're trying to figure out is like, what do we do about people using GPT and other like language, um, you know, uh, machine learning and AI stuff. And, and, the, the challenge with that is it's really, it can be very, very difficult for a judge or a lookout to determine the difference between, oh, this person used, used GPT to clean up their grammar or to try to make it more legible, right? Versus this person just fed this repo into GPT and tried to get it to like, spam this submission form, you know, and, uh, and that's like really human effort right now. There's like not, we don't have the tools yet. Um, the tools are very flawed and we've, we tried early on, uh, you know, right after GPT, uh, chat GPT came out and we were seeing an uptick in use of it. We tried to, that was one thing we had to walk back. Actually, we were like, we, we initially were like, we have to, t we have to draw a line and we have to say, this is not acceptable. And then, and so then we started issuing warnings to wardens saying, Hey, the judge flagged this as GPT, they've invalidated your findings. And then we got so many, we got a lot of feedback from the community saying, Hey man, like English is not my first language. This is like, I feel discriminated against. This is not okay. Like I, I'm really trying to make my work more legible. You know, I'm like, doing this in good faith and and we and we had to admit we we'd made the wrong call there you know so uh so we walked that back and we changed the policy that brings me to another interesting side of quarterina nowadays which are yeah. the boat races which are super interesting i think oh there's very good things about it and not so great things sure. about it i think probably one of the main criticisms is that it's a bit of a wealth redistribution in some cases where yeah. the, the beginners don't really have that much chance to catch the easier yeah. bugs. And that kind of uh, is a bit of a paradox because those beginners are the ones that are going to rise up and, you know, keep the protocol secure in the future. Yeah. But then they don't have that early confidence boost. But at the same time, it drives the cost of bugs and the uh, both for C4 to try and um judge those and also for the projects as well yeah so what are your thoughts on so both for, of I mean, those for ends? The, so there were multiple motivators for us i mean what so one of the things is like you know if you know kevin kelly the uh wired magazine editor wrote this book uh called inevitable i think i think i'm getting that right i'll probably get it wrong uh but it's all about like the technologies that are emergent but that are inevitable and that we are that we can his his perspective is you can either try to resist the the inevitable changes that are coming or you can decide you want to work with them and adapt to them you know and one of the ones i mean one of the ones that stressed me was like surveillance he's like surveillance is already everywhere it's going to be even more ubiquitous like we just all need to accept and adapt. And I was like, oh, I don't really love that. But I, but, but I, it really, it was very thought provoking and it really stayed with me because I, I was like, you know, he, I think he's right. Like, I think he's right. We, we're all carrying around GPS in our pockets. We, you know, th there's just no doubt that we are, you know, um, opening ourselves uh, as a society on the whole anyway, to like, you know, greater, uh, greater levels of surveillance. Similarly, um, you know, AI, 
A AI is just a fact, right? And so I think we need to adapt to it. So that was one of the one of the principles that led us to bot races was just like, look, we know, I mean, let's like shout out a warden with an unpronounceable name. Um, everybody has a different way of pronouncing, um, <laughs> you know, uh, bar L, bar L, bar L, bar L. I, I refer to them as ill. The, yeah, the fence. people call them the fence. But we've known for a really long time that it, I, I like to call them ill. I don't know why. That's just like what I always called them. I could just kind of like it because it like it reminds me of old school hip hop. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I have no idea if the fence likes old school hip hop. But um, but, we, you know, we uh, suspected for a long time that ill was like had a killer scripting suite because ill was always getting the top QA and gas report. And they, they, their, their findings were so thorough and so perfectly formatted and so like consistent. And, you know, it's like, it just had like some, many of the hallmarks of like using bots well, right. Using scripting well. And, um, and, and we were like, well, you know, we want to create opportunities for people like that. Like, we know that that's a specialty that some wardens have. Some wardens are amazing at doing that. Also, so in, so there's what, that's piece one. Piece, uh, no, I'm sorry. Piece one is like AI is ubiquitous. Piece two is we know we have wardens in the community who are amazing at this, right? And, and we want to give them opportunities. Piece three is uh, the lookout and judging stuff I was just talking about, like the amount of effort that goes into, and I, I, with full appreciation for wanting to give opportunities to new coming, like to, to newer wardens, uh, to newer researchers, um, as code arena scales, you know, if you've got 400 people participating in a competition and 200 of those people are submitting the same QA bugs. It is too much work. <laughs> like it's too much work for everybody. It's like repeating effort for all of those wardens, right? They're putting in wor work that is not going to get properly rewarded. The judges and lookouts are having to comb through all of those reports and like, you know, validate and, you know, assess them all for quality. It's exhausting. And also the sponsors, the value to the sponsors is so minimal, right? It's like, they're not, that's not the stuff they care the most about. They like, so maybe gas ops, it depends on the, you know, it depends on the protocol, but that's, it's a slightly different piece. But the, but the QA stuff in particular was getting really, really tough to kind of justify how much human effort was going into you know, sifting and evaluating those. So that's, that's a big part of it. And I, and I do sympathize with the, the desire to have more opportunities for junior wardens. And we've talked a lot. I mean, I, so I think that's like the one problem that remains to be solved. You know what I mean? Is like, okay, well, what do we do for those people? But the bot races address all of the other problems, <laughs> you know? So it's like, well, if you're going to solve problems, like if, if you're going to have to make trade-offs for us, I always want to make the trade-off that prioritizes the value to the sponsor. And, um, and also like future proofing our processes, right? So making it so that we are getting the highest value information to the sponsor with the most efficiency and uh and then rewarding the wardens who are able to provide that so it's i mean it's not an easy trade-off because i have you know i mean i was like one of the in my in my early days at c4 like a, a big part of my role was kind of community management and i mean i was hustling to go find wardens like that was you know like i was like where can i what discords can i join to try to like you know, make people aware that this exists and like try to like get this on people's radar. Right. And, um, and so shifting from that mindset to like, not, I mean, we never, ever want to be like gatekeeping, right. We always want to be an open door. And at the same time, 
there's just a like, how do we make this work so that it's not like, so that we're getting the right things in front of the right people with an appropriate level of effort. Yeah, I think it all makes sense and there's pros and cons to everything. And along with the different kinds of contests that appeared throughout the evolution of the industry recently, there's also other contest platforms yeah. like Sherlock and more recently Codehawk. Yeah. And what do you think that makes the Codarena community different from the other type of yeah. contest platforms? What do you think it differentiates? Well, I mean, I can't speak deeply to them because I haven't, you know, I don't, um, I haven't, I'm not a warden, so I haven't competed in them. So that's, you know, I think my, I, I can say what I like from everything I'm going to say is going to be based on like what I'm hearing from wardens, basically. I think that just to jump back to what I said earlier about us taking a very deliberate approach to process changes, um, I think one of the places that I feel really good and confident about Code Arena. And I think I want to say it like I, I don't really try to compare the the, the, the platforms too much because I think like I have huge respect for anybody who's trying to level up the ecosystem, honestly. And I think there's room for everybody. So it's not uh I think and I want wardens to have all the opportunities that they want and all of that stuff. So uh and I think I think competition is good. Like I wouldn't be at Coterie if I didn't think competition was good, you know? So, so with that all being said, uh, I feel like our, I feel really good about our judging processes. I think that's one thing where I think we've distinguished ourselves and that has everything to do with the people who are judging uh, the audits. I do, I will take some credit and pride in having developed, helped to, helped to develop many of the judging processes. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel really proud of what our team has built there. I think we have, there's a lot of different ways you can approach judging and we have consistently tried to prioritize impartiality, um, and, uh, and care and thoroughness, you know? And I think, and I think I hear that reflected back, which is really nice to hear. Like I hear that, I hear wardens talking about that on Twitter um, and saying that, that, that they really, they really value that about Code Arena. So that makes me feel really good. I think one of our special sauces is just like Sock Money. <laughs> Sock is, I, he's an incredible leader, but m really importantly, I think in addition to being uh he's he's such a he's such a star because he in addition to being a, a technical person um and somebody who's actually you know worked on security projects before um and who's built a number of other projects before um, and he's you know he's got an amazing head for business but the thing that I think that I think everybody knows this about Sark is like he's just an incredible community builder and he really believes in people and you can't really replicate that and you can't really compete with that like he he just he loves the community and he also he believes in what everybody's doing and he values everybody and i think everybody feels that like everybody feels like oh like when i come into code arena like I'm respected and I'm valued and whatever level I'm competing at or whatever my area of specialty is, um, you know, if I, my big specialty is like, I create memes for the awesome nonsense channel, like we're I'm like, that's valued, you know? And like, or if I'm like, you know, what, whatever, whatever your thing is, right. Like there's, I think we really appreciate that. And the, and, and he's, he's that way with the staff, but he's that way with, everybody because that's just who he is and you know if if you've ever met him in real life at a conference or anything you just know that he's just he just is that and he he really genuinely loves the community and because he's like that he also hires people who are like that and so then we have a team of people who are in the discord all the time who are just like you know trying to make people feel like 
we're like you're you really are part of everything because that's that's how we want you to feel so i think i think that's pretty magical and i know that's like very like i don't know may come off as like a soft thing but it's really tangible because what it means is like when we have needed to solve problems we turn to the community and we ask the community and we're like hey like help us solve these these, these tricky problems and we bring people in and that's how you make people feel important is you make them actually important right <laughs> like like we you know it's like we want you all to help us solve these problems and so you know when like scouting was a thing that emerged out of asking the community to help we were like we need to get some wardens in here getting these repos set up because staff we're not hired because we're like so good at setting up audit repos, right? Like, like we, we can have a checklist to make it like, you know, but we're not, we're not wardens. So like, let's get some wardens who can do this really well and get, and who know what the wardens need and get them doing a technical review of the repo, right? Let's get the judges to help us like craft the rules, right? Let's get, you know, so that all, I think that all makes a huge difference. And, and we, um, yeah, and I and I and I and I really appreciate that about Sock because he, even though I have a history in open source communities, I, he's always reminding me, like, hey, well, you've got a hard problem. Like, who in the community can help, right? Like, who, who can who can we bring in? And I I think that, so I I think that anyway. So that's like. Maybe, maybe not like the most tangible answer, but those are the, I think, I think judging is one. I think the community is magic. And I think because we turn to the community consistently, um, we, I think our processes are just like really, really solid. And I feel really good about them. We also like this, I don't think is necessarily totally visible yet but like we have a killer dev team now and i think you're gonna see some pretty cool stuff on the product side in the next few months so i'm excited about that too any 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 teasers that oh, you can, always you can always the hardest question because i never really know like what's what's okay to share what can i say well i mean I'm going to be, so one thing I'm going to be posting later today that I'm excited about, I keep talking about the judges today for some reason, but anyway, it's kind of, it's on my mind because I'm working on it actively. We are about to post um, a request for, for comment. So it's not necessarily a solid plan yet, but it's, I'm hoping it will be a plan to have a, a our first ever Coderina Supreme Court session this fall, which will involve having uh, three of our most senior judges um, come in and review all the open or agrifo issues and res and like figure out how to resolve them and sort of rewrite the rules. And we're hoping that that's going to be a regular thing, so that uh, you know either you know two two to four times a year we would have. A Supreme Court session to review and resolve rule-based concerns, and I'm, I'm quite. I know that's like maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know if wardens like get excited about that. I'm very excited about it because I do think that's one of the things that wardens. I, I mean, it's one of the things I hear wardens talking about is like, hey, like we want bot races to be judged more consistently, or we want this, you know, and those are things where. I hope it's okay to get a little bit in the weeds here, but it's like, it's as a staff person, I don't want to make all of the rules for our contests because I'm not the best equipped. Like it's, I have, I'm not technical enough. I don't have the, I don't have the subject matter expertise, right? Like, I, so I can, I can certainly advise on like where I want the rules to be like whose needs I want to consider and things like that. But I don't, I, I can't like if the wardens come in and they, they're like, Oh, we, we want like harsher penalties for invalids in bot reports. I'm like, I don't know what the, 
Like, I don't know what the impact of that would be, right? So I don't feel equipped. So what I want is for the subject matter experts to make that call. But unless we have a formal process for doing that, we don't have a, you know, then, then how do we do that? Like, it's just sort of up to whoever feels like showing up on the org repo issue. And then at some point, staff decide we have enough input to make a decision. That doesn't feel quite great to me. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, whose input do we, how do we value every comment in the thread? And it's just, I want it to be crisp, <laughs> you know, and clear. And I want it, and I also want it to be transparent. Like, I don't think it, I don't think it's good for staff to, to, for it to just be like, oh, well, okay, everybody's given your input. Now staff will go up, go into like a corner and huddle and like secretly decide what we actually want to do. So, I mean, maybe in some cases it's warranted to have that be the process, but for the most part, when it comes to judging stuff specifically, it should just be out in the open and it should be, the trade-offs should be debated just like we do on the findings, right? So that's one thing that's coming up. I hope that like crossed fingers that will happen uh, within probably the next month or two. And I'm hoping that that will really help, first of all, to engage the community in decision-making and, and make sure everybody's voice is heard, but also just tie up a lot of loose ends that have been kind of lingering in there in terms of uh, some of the edge cases and rules and stuff like that. So that's one thing. One thing we quietly shipped earlier this week is um, judges in Coderina now have their own profiles. So wardens have profiles, judges now have profiles. It's a very subtle little thing, but if you go, if you navigate to a judge's profile, you'll now see the number of findings that they've judged um, is pretty impressive. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I think those numbers are actually going to go up because I don't think we've actually been able to include all of the findings yet. So there's some data migration happening, but um, anyway, so that's kind of fun. And I think I can say safely that um, if you can take that as a hint of things to come. Um, we definitely want to um, boost the um, visibility of everybody's successes and performance in the arena and not just, you know, numbers of highs and dollars on the leaderboard and all of that stuff. Um, we're looking at different ways we can uh, get different kinds of uh, stuff on, onto people's profiles, maybe some other different kinds of profiles. Let me, well, here's one thing I will say. There's some improvements to the leaderboard planned that I'm very keen on. I think uh, everybody's quite keen on seeing. There's, I, I think you can anticipate a lot more um, stats-based stuff in general. Uh, we have an amazing person on staff now who is uh, experienced at like, uh, at all that kind of stuff. So uh, data-driven storytelling and, and specifically like, you know, esports style stats. So I'm excited to see what comes of that. Um, we've been having some good conversations about some of the things that we'd like to be able to illustrate about different um, kinds of performance. Like one of the things I'm very, very intrigued by and I've wanted to do for a while is, you know, we've had, um, for a while now, we've had these special opportunities that are available to certified wardens. And so if you're a certified warden, you get, there's, a, there's different RSVPs that get posted, right? So like mitigation reviews are typically just posted uh, for RSVP to certified wardens. You have to have competed in the preceding audit and it's based on the ranking in that audit. There's also, you know, people are running solo audits through C4 now. So that's come, that's happening. There's the bot races. There's, there have been some invitational audits, like where there's a smaller group of wardens competing within, you know, on the audit. Uh, we have like test coverage competitions, which I don't know if that's on your radar, but it's like, you know, we get a, like a swarm of wardens who come in and, and compete to write tests for a protocol. So there's all these different kinds of competitions happening through C4 and they're not all reflected on the, on the leaderboard, right? And part of why they're not just 
we haven't like shoehorned them into the leaderboard because they don't map to how the leaderboard currently works. And also some of them, because they're certified only opportunities, um, they have an amplification effect, right? On your leaderboard standing. Cause it's like, well, if you already performed well, then you're more likely to get the RSVP. And then, so then your winnings are gonna, you know what I mean? And so, so we wanted to think very carefully about that and like how we, how we displayed it. So now on the leaderboard, you can like toggle those things on and off so that you can see the sort of like the raw leaderboard that just doesn't have any of that stuff included or the, or the full leaderboard to get a bit better picture of, of people's earnings. However, there's more to come there. Like we haven't built everything in yet. So mitigation reviews are still not reflected. Bot races are still not reflected. There's more to be built in there. And I think it's a real opportunity to, like I said, just to celebrate everybody's different kinds of wins. So, and once it's on the leaderboard, like when I say leaderboard, I don't just mean like that one page on the website. I mean like that, those stats then can get, you know, used in a lot of different ways. And we're looking at ways to, you know, we want to make sure that the folks who are doing solo audits, that they have a way to like get those reports up on their profiles and stuff like that. So there's just a lot of different iterations coming towards those type of things. So that's one side of things. It's just like kind of, I think of those as like the shiny parts of the, you know, the work, but there's deeper stuff too, which is like, we're thinking really hard about, um, you know, we've, we've, we started out just straight out doing audits, right? But an audit is, I mean, every warden knows is like, it's an analysis based on a snapshot in time, right? So, so it has a lot of value, but it doesn't necessarily extend into the future perfectly, right? It's like, it gives you information about a snapshot in time. So we're thinking, so when we added test coverage, that was part of like, we were like, oh, let's expand. Like we want to be, we want to create opportunities for the life cycle of a product, right? Like products evolve a lot over time. And like what happens in the early stages, test writing is like not most developers favorite thing to do. And it's also like, if you're trying to hit a ship deadline, it's like, you know, you're busy with other stuff. So test coverage is something where like it, it, it's, we've, we did our first one a while ago, but we're still trying to get the word out about it because it's, I, I'm, I think it's a hugely valuable offering that we have and the people, the wardens who are into it are really, really skilled. It's huge value to the sponsors. They love being able to get all their tests written in like a week, you know, <laughs> for a few days. So like, depend, you know, depending on how big it is, it's, and um, like, what a, what a wonderful thing <laughs> to kind of come, come in and be like, at the end of the week, you've got all your tests written, like joy, joy, joy. So, so that's like, that's a piece. We introduced the analysis submission type a while ago, and that is another piece of the puzzle where we're trying to help to provide the projects with a more like high level insight into um, you know, what are, what are kind of the, what are the, what are the wardens see as the areas of concern or the risk vectors or, you know, at a high, high level, like how would you talk about the centralization risks? Like what are the things that the protocol should be really like considering over time? Right. So, and that has like a dual purpose for us as well. Cause it's like, we also, again, we're always looking for like, how can we figure out more about the people in our community and what their specialties are so that then we can create opportunities for those people. So that's helping us to see, oh, these are like the people who have, you know, cause there's like, I think that in every group of people, there's like people who are really good at seeing the forest and there's people who are really good at seeing like the ants at the base of the tree. <laughs> And then there's everything in between, right? But, uh, and you need all of those people, especially in security. So, so we want to make sure that there's like opportunities for everybody and that the sponsors are getting all of that value, that they're getting all of those levels of insight out of, out of their, their work with us. So I, I can't say too much more in like a lot of depth, but I think you should expect to see more expansion in that realm like we want to be we want to be supporting projects through their life cycle of security and not and and be like you know providing them with 
uh, with ongoing security that supports them at every stage and not just on the, in this snapshot way. And, you know, it, it's the same is true. Like we're looking very closely at mitigation reviews um, and how we can improve on that. Cause we know that's, that's another one where it's like, it's okay. Right. Like what we're doing is, is, is valuable. Um, but it could be better. Right. And so, and we're trying to, and it's, that's one of those places where it's like the competitive model is like, it needs to be competitive. We want, we, we strongly believe in competition as like a way of getting the best out of people. And ultimately a mitigation review, it needs to be collaborative. So how do we maybe tweak that, that part of our process to make it a little more collaborative with the sponsor team so that we know, so that they're confident at the end of it. We're like, we have received the support we needed from the wardens to fully mitigate everything. And they walk away with like deployable code, right? And not just like another list of bugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely not something you want. And do you have any tips for wardens currently? So the number one tip I always have for wardens is to read through past reports. And I think, you know, I think kind of everybody knows to do that. But the thing I would maybe point to specifically there is to look um, at the analyses in the more recent reports and try to and have a look at what those folks are doing and what those wardens are contributing to the reports. Because I think it's a really interesting, it's a, it's a very interesting complement to the bug reports and the findings themselves. So if you're a bug hunter and you just are like, no, I just want to find like super rare highs, like that's, that's great, like fill your boots. But if you're interested in, you know, looking at more kind of consultative high level overview stuff, um, it's really worth looking at those analyses because they're now at a point where they're providing a lot of value. And I think it's really, I think that's really worth looking at. All right, so I think that then, I think that is uh, an area that is not getting enough, or I don't see a lot of wardens talking about it at least. That's as much as I can say. Like, I don't see people talking about it as much, but I think it's, so right now it's not, um, it's, it's not like you don't see, it's not, it's not a, it's not an area. It's not a type of submission where you can get a duplicate, right? It's, it's a graded, they're graded the way that QA and gas are. And it's, I would really encourage people to look at like the A level, like the A grade analyses and see what's going on there and try to try their hand at it because it's, you know, it can be lucrative, um, but also there's a lot of deep knowledge in there, <laughs> you know? So if you're trying to just level up your skills, I think you'll get a lot out of just reading those. So to, I would say not just reading the reports, but actually like clicking through into the repo and look for like all the A grade analyses for, for these different projects and try to get a sense of like, oh, like what, you know, how, how, how did these folks perceive um, the project overall? And, and, and it'll, I think it might also just guide you to seeing areas you may have overlooked when you were thinking about the protocol. Right. I mean, that's, a, that to me is like the magical mystery of wardens is like your ability to <laughs> read the code and then deduce like what's actually happening in the project is like magical to me. I would definitely be the person who like starts with the docs and like needs to like sift my way down to the code. So, but uh, yeah, so I would, I would, I would look at those. I think that's really fun and interesting. And I would also, I would really encourage wardens to just ask each other questions in the discord. I feel like that's an underrated source of, of wealth and education. We have some amazing community members who are really generous in sharing stuff. We have an education channel in the Discord. And also, I guess the other thing I would say is um, look for opportunities to just contribute to the community. You know, I see a lot of wardens posting their own stuff in the education channel, which I love to see. Like, I love seeing what people are 
tweeting about and writing about and, you know, YouTubing and whatever. It's like, it's that I have always, you know, I, I don't know who said it first, but you know, the best way to learn is by teaching something. Um, and I think, you know, I would really encourage everybody to get out there and start trying to teach what they, um, what they've been, what they've been learning. Like, even if it's like, uh, you know, you feel like you're maybe one or two steps ahead of the next person on anything, like there's value in showing them where those two steps are and helping them along. And then the last thing I would say is the other thing that I think is hugely underutilized in Code Arena is teams. And I would really encourage people to look at opportunities to team up. And the reason for that is when you work as a team, like, yes, you split the awards with somebody, but you, you split it in half and you don't get docked that, you know, 0.6, you know, like that, that decrementer that gets attached to dupes, you know? So it, it's the, the, the awarding mechanism is built to really try to reward people for teaming up. And I think, I, I mean, you, you know yourself, so not everybody, you know, is like really collaborative in how they work. But if you think that you might be able to learn from working with somebody or that you might just get, you know, more coverage um, or more efficiency by working that way, I really encourage people to do it because I think I've se we've seen some amazing performance by teams, um, but I feel like they're really underrepresented in general or, or just that it's a mechanism that people don't necessarily think to use very often. And yeah, it's just, it's, 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 it can be really, really valuable. Yeah, I think with teams, there's a bit of issue with trust and collaboration in the space yeah. where, you know, you can't just jump in and start working with someone. You have to develop some sort of report and that takes time. And it's just a, it can be tricky from the practical sure. side of things. But on the other hand, if you manage to make it happen, there's more profit on the other So, way. I mean, I think, and I think that maybe the previous thing I said ties in, which is like, if you start, if you're really engaging in the discord and you're sharing educational and you see who else is sharing stuff, um, I think that's a good sort of sign of, of trustworthiness, right? Is like, if you see people who are sharing what they know and they're not like shielding it, like, you know, they want to <laughs> protect their own um, advantage at all costs, you know, that's always a good sign. And a multi-sig wallet. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, for sure, for sure, it is. A yeah. multi-sig always helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure having you Likewise, here. Likewise, thank you for having me. And I'm keen to see all the new stuff that C4 thank has in you. store. Next time I'll try to bring more alpha with me. <laughs> no, this has been great. Thank you. This thank has been great. I feel like... You literally covered all the questions that I had and I didn't have awesome. to do anything. So it's been a pretty nice. easy ride for me. That's what I like to hear.